Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. all the time, and I went, I just got to, you know, I went, Lord, if Sarah and Chad aren't coming, just wake them up and make them come, <laughs> so that she can give us, she's going to give a short report, and then she's going to lead us in a prayer over the Church of Children, which I think is an interesting phrase that I'm going to study. Okay, so I just found out about this about 50 seconds ago, so bear with me. <laughs> a short report. Um well, we're going through some challenges right now relationally at Fields of Grace in Entebbe, Uganda. Um, we have a couple kids going through some difficult things. That's just honest. It's part of it. Uh, we've had some high times and low times. Um, just about daily I talk with our administrator, and she keeps me um, updated. Um, so that's kind of where we are. Nothing super new to report, just some kids who need some prayer Um you know, dealing with abandonment and trauma and things like that um, and how that plays out and works out in their lives and relationally. And um, and then we have one one little boy named Kato David who was six when I first met him, and <laughs> he became like my third arm. Um, he would hang on me constantly, but if I would try to touch him, he would run away. That's how the relationship was. But he would always be hanging on me in some aspect. Um, and pretty sure he has dyslexia and some other learning disabilities. Um, but we've gotten him a kind of a private teacher this year, and he just rose up like past 15 other kids in his class grade-wise and is just doing really well. His mom um, was uh, born um, Muslim and became a Christian about two years ago. She gave her life to the Lord um, in a very kind of profound way. And I think that's really had an influence over Kato and his twin sister, Dorcas. So, but we do have some older kids who are struggling, so we'd appreciate your prayer for that. Um, can't go into a lot of detail right now, but I would love to pray. Um, they do, they always send their greetings to New Day Church and Pastor Lloyd. Um, and just a little plug, Chad's going back in September. If anybody, any men want to go with him. He's like, thanks, Sarah, but if anybody's got it on their heartstrings, um, he is going to go over in September for one week. So, okay. So, Lord, we thank you for this church of the children. We're not exactly sure exactly what that means, Lord, but we ask for your revelation and um, for just your will to be done and all that entails with New Day and this church of children, whether that's the children here, the children in Uganda, or children who you're going to be bringing here. We don't know, Lord, um, but we thank you that there's something coming, and we thank you, Lord, that you're going to reveal it in your perfect time, and it's going to be um, wonderful, and so we thank you, Lord. Um, we just 
we ask for your will to be done at Joyful House um, on earth as it is in heaven. And we thank you, Lord, for your love for kids. Lord, your love is, um, yeah, we can't even understand how much you love children. But I ask that you would reveal that to us in Jesus' name. Amen. I know this, that God is prejudiced towards the, or yeah, <laughs> towards the orphan and the widow. You can read in the word throughout it. There's something in his heart regarding orphans and what we know. I don't know if you've uh, read the book Orphans No More, but it's, uh, he wants us to learn to live love. So I have the feeling that he doesn't see them as orphans. It's his church of children. He sees them as his church, not as orphans. So he's not responding out of their lack. He's responding out of his fullness to them as church. I don't know. There's something more there. So I'm just, I'm getting stuff. So you just got to hang on and get it with me, okay? So I don't know. You pray into it. We'll find out what this means. But I've been sensing for a long time that our church body needs a bigger understanding of that children's church body. And so that there's a deeper connection, not just relationally, but there's a there's a there's something God's up to, whatever that means. I know I'm not I'm probably not making clear sense, uh, but there's something there. So I want to add my prayers if we can. So Father, I add my prayers into this right now. I pray for every one of those kids who feel the abandonment and the trauma, and the isolation of of orphanage whatever that is, I pray for great healing to come into their hearts, into their minds, and that you would raise up a church through them that could affect other children, and that children would reach children would reach children, that you would do something, Lord, that would be eye-opening, that we would go, what? And that we would, uh, so many things I'm stunned at today that happened 10 years ago that I go, what? So continue to stun us, and I ask that the what would be here for this church body in the next 10 years. In Jesus' name, amen. That's a pretty bold prayer for an old guy. So would you stand with me? And would you say this version of the Lord's Prayer together with me aloud. Therefore, pray in this way. Our Father who are in the heavens, let your name be held holy. Let your kingdom come. Let your will come to pass as in heaven, so also upon earth. Give to us today bread for the day ahead. And excuse us our debts just as we have excused our debtors. And do not bring us to trial, but rescue us from him who is wicked. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory unto the ages. And everybody said, amen. You can be seated. So we're doing a little more, uh, uh, certainly, I had somebody speak to me last night again about the, the uh, it's, it's actually known as the poetic blessing or the ironic blessing uh, that's found in numbers and how I close the service out that way and how meaningful it is to people. And this person wanted me to know that, and I do know that because so many of you say things, and I know there's been a deep connection even to your own uh, faith background in the back because I, I was telling them, you know, we have, 
Well, if you could see it the way I see it, I said, we even have some people at Genuflect with it at the end, you know. And it's because they came out of perhaps a Catholic background. It's very meaningful. Words have meaning. Those kind of words have deep meanings because they are found in the word of God, which we know is powerful. Sharper than a two-edged sword, being able to divide between soul and spirit. And so the words that we say and the way we begin a service and to say things like the Lord's Prayer and to even study it, but also to close with blessings on each other. You will never do more in prayer than when you bless somebody. Prayer is designed to bless people because it's designed to bless you and your relationship with God. And as I've journeyed into a deeper understanding of the new covenant and what that means for us, what grace means into our hearts and how we pray for people, I pray less about changing circumstances and more about God being released in the understanding of grace and truth and trust come to people's hearts because we don't need better people. We don't. We don't need to be a better person. You can't do that. I got worn out trying. Did you? We don't need to be a better person. We need to be a blesser of people. We need to love. We need to release. We need, need to be able to distribute that one to another. What better prayer... So we've been on a, a prayer journey, and we're going, and I'm using the Lord's Prayer and using it in sections as different rooms, these, these places of rest that He has for us. Uh, in my Father's house are many places of rest, John, John 14 tells us. And that um, God wants us to rest. Uh, it's sort of, it's not, I'm trying, not trying to do a religious thing and say this is, well, maybe I am. Not all religion's bad, but, uh, you know, just our thought of it. Uh, but it's this, going to each one of these phrases as a room that you're entering with God. So last week we did the family room, you know, which is our Father in heaven. So it's not a geographical location, but a place that's comfortable, just like a family room's in our house. This morning I want to look at a room of adoration. And why God kind of set it up this way. So as I'm going through my deconstruction and reconstruction over prayer and its foundation being in the, in the grace and mercy of God, um, I want you to explore it with me. And we're going to keep closing with some of the same questions about what does prayer mean to you. And I hope it's been... Uh, I don't let necessarily see myself as a cattle prod, but I sure hope I've been enough that I just poke you in the ribs just enough that you go, and it works on you all week, and you just keep thinking about it. If that happens, I've been doing my job. So at least as I see it, it's given to me from God. So don't you like that translation? Nobody? Do you not like it? Yeah, it really, you should try. If you can download it on a Kindle, I think you'll find it really intriguing. So, uh, similar to the mirror translation, this is one person's deep dive into grace and its foundation that he wrote it for, was from grace. And so, when you read the nuances of how he translated the Greek, there's just some things that I just go, 
I never saw it that way. So it's been, been really wonderful for me. So it's the New Testament and it's starting to get referred to, which I like, as the heart translation. So I like that a lot. The second part, holy is your name. God's name is holy. Uh, yeah. Uh, what does that mean? Well, here's the thing. It's not so you, you wrestle the meaning by wrestling the idea. Does that make sense? You wrestle with the idea inside of yourself. You start meditating on it. And it's interesting that he put it in the first part when he was, when, when this friends of his had walked, walking with him and go, wow, you know, uh, hearing you do this Sermon on the Mount, would, would you teach us how to pray? Would, would you just, like, help us? And he starts, uh, you know, he blows him away by starting it with personal possessive pronoun, our father, because that is not the way it would have began. But then it does go to something immediately that is familiar to them and yet feels far away. And I think the idea of God being holy feels that way to us. We sort of know what it means, and yet it it's far away. It's distance. Because it's, it's sort of wrapped up into we're supposed to be holy, and I'm sure not. Or at least I'm not what they told me it was. And I'm not sure I know what that word means anymore. It's one of those kind of, you know, it's, it's one of those kind of journeys. To be holy for us and... Then to understand God's name is holy, is so it doesn't feel so far away. I'm not even giving head nods. It do, it, well, it does to me. So there, you come join my journey. So for me, though, there's a deep link between loving God as our creator father, so our father in heaven, and his name being holy. God linked them with thought. So Jesus is going, pray this way. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. But he didn't call God by name. He called him by an idea, Father. And so you have to go, what's, what's there? Well, really, here's what's there, the essence of worship. Now, remember, he doesn't, he's not doing a symposium, and he doesn't go, well, here, prayer starts with worship. We do that stuff. He connects the idea that when you're going to pray, worship's involved with it. The worship of God, that he's holy. It determines, really, when you look at it, it determines thoughts and understandings of the concept, the idea of, the belief in, that God exists. And if he exists, therefore, it's foundational to prayer. I want to talk to him if he's there. But God said, if you want to talk to me, worship. What? Declare unto me how holy I am. Isn't it strange that God would want that? He doesn't need it. He wants it. This is what A.W. Tozer wrote about this in Knowledge of the Holy, and I've, I've studied that book. Uh, not as much as I have the Bible, but darn close, because it's about the attributes of God, and I have three of them that are all highlighted and marked up and notes and all that stuff, but I'll just give you one quote. I want you to hear this about God's name is holy and what that means on our concept and belief in God. So Tozer wrote this. What comes into our minds when we think about God 
is the most important thing about us. The history of mankind will probably show that no people has ever risen above its religion, and man's spiritual history will positively demonstrate that no religion has ever been greater than its idea of God. Worship is pure or base as the worshiper entertains high or low thoughts of God. For this reason, the gravest question before the church is always God himself. And the most portentous fact, that means really important or big deal, about any man is not what he at any given time may say or do, but what he in his deep heart conceives God to be like. Isn't that profound? We tend by a secret law of the soul to move towards our mental image of God. This is true not only of the individual Christian, but of the company of Christians that compose the church. Always the most revealing thing about the church is her idea of God. Just as her most significant message is what she says about him or leaves unsaid. For her silence is often more eloquent than her speech. She can never escape the self-disclosure of her witness concerning God. That's why I think he brought the idea of a declaration as we pray. Your name is holy. We sang it this morning. It was, it was just profound to start singing that. Three people and a piano. And you go, oh. it was like a drink of, I don't know, the best spring water or the, uh, the best wine, however you want to, just to taste that. I, if there's no other reason to gather together corporately, it's so that we can hear that song inside of our hearts that I'm singing with somebody else about something so profoundly not understandable in order to understand it. I, I, I'm stretching out and using words that are so deeply inadequate to declare about something that is so far above adequacy that I can't understand it. And so I use that as a as a means, and then when I hear you do it, something happens in my soul. Something happens deep in the declaration of God, you're holy. You're so holy. Your name is holy. And, uh, and then you go, okay, what's in the name? How oh, we can, you know, and Shakespeare wrestled with this. Would a rose be sweeter if it was called by another name in, in Romeo and Juliet? You know, if, if she had a different name, would she more be more beautiful? Her last name, my, my family hates. They hate my last name. What's in a name? With God, a name is everything. Because most of what God has disclosed to himself that we can understand has to do with what he declared his name is. From the very beginning, from the ununderstandable YHWH, why the heck couldn't they put vowels in there? So we come up with the word Jehovah out of YHWH. That's because you can't comprehend him. What's your name? Yah. Can, can you imagine those, the early, early, early 
worshipers of the true God. You know, the others are worshiping, you know, I don't know, dinosaurs, flying things, reptiles, humans, rocks, sticks, rivers, earth, things. And here comes people that are going, yeah. That's all that could come out of them was a monosyllabic cry of a heart that God's willing to answer. He goes, his name's Yah. See, it's, it's stunning. God's so willing in his humility to invite us into, my name's holy. Well, what's your name then? Isn't that what Moses said? So he said, who shall I say sent me? I am. I'm going to go, you know, like they have a whole list of, you know, like Osiris and, and the sun god, Ra, and they make a big deal. And I'm going to go, uh, who sent you, Moses? Pharaoh asked. I am. But in that, there's a, there's a declaration from God that is so monumental in its simplicity that it can tear through the fabric of human understanding and open up the heart to receive. How does that happen? I don't know. But God invites us to that place to go, your name is holy. Which name? All of them. From Genesis to Revelation. And there's a name he has that we don't know yet. There is a time coming, a new age coming, and he says You'll have a name that you don't know yet. I'm finally going to drop Lloyd. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's going to be something like Sonny or something really cool. It's not going to be Frank. It's not going to be Eddie. I'm sorry if there's any Frank or Eddie's in here. I don't think there is. I chose this. It's going to be like it's going to be a tongue tire. You know, it's going to, you know. He who has the light shining through him forever and ever because God loves him best. That will be my new name in heaven. So you should read about it. It's in the book of Revelation. So it says there's a new name. New earth and a new name. Talk about holy. What's in a name? For us, it always seems that to be holy, his name being holy, for us holiness is this weird proving or measuring ourselves as to the rightness or the indicative to the issue of our obedience and morality when we think of holiness, and that is not what he's talking about. This holy is something way different than what you were taught about holy. This holy is about God's complete being. This holy is, I am way different than you, and I want you to recognize it through my names. I'm not you. His name reveals him, and his names are attributed to God to reveal him more to us. And it's the purpose of the creative aspect and the basis for knowing God. Therefore, it is a basis of prayer. How can you pray to something you have no understanding of? So I think this invitation for us to do a declaration of your name being holy, maybe that's the only words you'll ever use.
but it does something inside of you that opens you up so that you can understand who he is. It's interesting, throughout Scripture, we're admonished, we're urged to call on and trust in the name of the Lord. There's way too many, I mean, if you just hit it on your little Bible search thing in your software package, it just, it just goes, how many times, call upon the name of the Lord. It's, it's amazing. But I think that the first aspect into entering into a prayer relationship to God is to recognize God through his names. So we go, well, your name is holy, so I'm going to say that a bunch because I know angels did that. Holy, 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 holy. And it just gets become empty. But when you personalize it and talk about his name, you're my savior. It's one of the names of God. You're my helper, one of the names of God. You're my provider. Know how, see how personalized it is. You're my healer. And something happens to us in our relationship with him. So Psalm 29, really fascinating, gives it this way. Give unto the Lord, now listen what he calls you, O you mighty ones. Yeah, pretty much feel like a little squeaker. Yeah, mighty, really mighty today. Got my super cape on and, you know. To infinity and beyond. Uh, now, most of the time it's a squeak, isn't it? You really ought to have the voice of the Lord come to you. you know, I've had that great honor, I, and it's not because I'm special. Well, no, I am special in every sense of the word. But, uh, you know, to have, I, I, got to, I got to hear his audible voice when I was in my mid-30s, and he called me young man, and all that came out of me was a pre-adolescent squeak in response. You know, you just, here's your servant, Lord, speak. You know, instead I go, yes, sir. You know, a voice kind of cracked like I was 12 again. And, uh, and I was stunned and I was really close to peeing my pants because it scared the bejeebers out of me. You hear a voice outside of you, I'm telling you, no, it's a subjective experience. You go, yeah, I don't know if that happened. You hear that voice, that's what fear of God is. It scared me. And I was trying to drive in a fog. And I couldn't, nothing would come out of me. My Literally, it felt like my tongue was on the roof of my mouth. And that's why it came out in a crack. Yes, sir. And then he said, young man, I have something to say to you. And it was really important. He learned that, he told me that I shot my mouth off too much. Good thing only a squeak came out of me. Oh, ye mighty ones. Most of the time, I don't feel pretty mighty, do you? Give unto the Lord, oh, ye mighty ones. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. How do you do that? Give unto the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. I think we did that this morning. You start, see, so you move, you get in this model, and you go to this room, and then you start singing Jesus. Just try that one this week. Don't do all the other names. Just, just sing that one name. Because here, here's what the, 
Here's what the brothers said in Acts. There's no other name given under heaven by which men are saved. Well, it's the English version of the Greek, and you got to say it, Yeshua, or it won't happen. Stop it. Just sing your English. Sing Jesus. Jesus, all for Jesus. Something happens in our connection with God when we do that because that's what makes his name holy. It's in the moment. You can't create holiness. You rest in the moment of holiness. It's the where you stop being, oh, ye mighty ones, or the little squeaker, and you just go, Jesus. And you don't have anything left to prove, and God doesn't have to prove himself to you. You're just singing a name. That's when you're starting to attribute the glory that's due his name. It's in, found in simplicity. What does it mean for God's name then to be holy? What does that idea mean? Well, that's a long and exhaustive study, and we could spend the whole summer doing that. We're not going to. But in its simplest form, it means that he's complete. That's what the word means, holiness. For God, when it says holy there, it means there is absolutely no lack in any aspect of his being of who he is. He is perfectly perfect. Just perfect. There's nothing he needs. There's nothing he wants. He is. And anything, any understanding of that idea of holiness that we try to add to or take away or that we, we make through that, there's a word for that called idolatry. It's making God to be something that he's really not. Well, how do I know what he is then? He declares it through his name. And so when I say that God is holy, we say, see, whenever we do this, so, there's such a mistake. What's the first and greatest commandment? Okay, you, you went there, so I'm got, I got opinion. No, it's not. That's not how it starts. That's not how the first commandment starts. Do you know how it starts? Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. He's holy. When they say one, they're not saying individual, single. They're saying there is nothing else in existence that is like you. You are complete in yourself. That's the first commandment. Is listen. You know, I mean, it's a great great call to worship, the great Shema Israel. You know, it's done over and over and over again. To do it in the Hebrew is, is like you get, you get kind of into a fantasy realm and you, you want to wear weird clothes because and, 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 it's really profound. But that, that is the greatest thing. That's the God. When, when I go, your name is holy. God wants you to hear it first before you say it. That makes sense? He wants you to, to just grasp that in this room of adoration. It may mean that not a, even a squeak comes out of you. It's just a thought running through you. You're holy. You lack nothing. Therefore, I will never lack anything. 
because you and I are one. See, Jesus was walking around. I hope you can get this, because this is, I, this is maybe some of the most profound stuff I think I've got to teach. Jesus is walking around and goes, the Father and I are one. He was going, you know what he was saying? Shema Israel, listen up. I'm one. I'm here. I'm it. Do you see me now? Can you hear me now? You wouldn't listen to the prophets. I'm here. Will you listen to me? If that's part of our prayer time, oh, baby, I can do that in the morning. I can have a devotional. <laughs> if it's that way, you see, because this, it is central. The idea of God's name and holiness and you all linked together, making you one, it's central to love and worship. And it's the basis of our relationship to him. Therefore, if it's, if it's the foundation of our relationship to him, it's the foundation of understanding prayer and what prayer is. To really know, what, why pray? Because he's holy. That's why we pray. No, you pray because you have need. No, you pray because he's holy. And that's the model he gave. Go to this room and start adoring him. God wants us to love him because he loves us. Really, it's the only thing that is able to keep us sane. Remember the Tozer quote. If your thinking is a little bit off, mine often is. You're wired like I am. Like I, I go insane probably every three days. I can you I can think wacky thoughts. You know? It, everything from pinky in the brain stuff, you know, how are we gonna get those elephants to wear rubber pants? To what are they gonna do about the FBI now? I was just there. You go insane, you start thinking about things that probably don't mean two Twinkies to anything in the universe. Except God's very interested in what it's doing inside of you. And he draws you with worship back to sanity. This makes us sane thinkers. You being holy makes me sane. I can become rational again. I was made in your image. I can become uh, relational again. I was made in your image. I can feel again. I was made in your image. I can move out of this damnable depression and go, there's a God who cares and loves me. Simply from that. I have a melancholy bend to my personality. I like mood music. I like all that stuff. But I have to be so careful with it. And the, the thing that keeps me sane is worship of God. I worship you. Almighty God. There's none like you. In a, in a simplicity of devotion. In, in a prayer. Are you obligated to pray? No, but you're insane if you don't. In the bigger sense of the word, you can't think sanely without it. Well, that's just another crutch. No, that's a life support system. It's not a crutch. And that's what he designed it for. Is this making sense? Well, then... 
So we do this. He wants us to begin our prayers with adoration, but here's the problem today. What is adoration? Um, we do things like, like we so misuse. Do you know this? This was a high church word. That's why we have hymns and stuff about it. Uh, the word adoration was never about babies. Oh, she's just so adorable. We've done that. That's the connotation of the meaning now. But actually to, to adore was a high religious spiritual word. We, we sing it in our, oh, come, let us adore him. We are set our adoration on him. We're, we're, uh, it actually, in the meaning of the word, if you look it up and it's not archaic, it means to worship or honor as a deity or as the divine. There's really only one we should adore. Instead, we adore those little cream puff things that you buy at Sam's Club. Oh, they're just so adorable. Or we adore babies, or we adore our wives, or our husbands, or we adore, and we do all kinds. And this was a word that was meant for God, just like holy is. And, and I found something lately. So I've been using the word. I adore you. I set my affection upon you. Because we've also turned adore into a romance word, a human romance word. And this is not eros. God's not asking you for that. God's not asking you to be goofy and to, to uh, do wedding vows with him and make a marriage. It's none of that. God's asking you to adore his name. To have love. To have the deepest affection that you could ever feel for anything. And again, because it leads you to same thinking. Look at, just listen to Psalm 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. That means make him really large. Look, put, a, put a glass on it. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant. Their faces were not ashamed. This, do you know this one as well as I do? This poor man cried out and the Lord heard him. I'm not a sinner, but I sure feel like a poor man a lot of the time. And saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him. That means worship him. And delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. That's what this invitation is for. Blessed is the man who trusts him. Oh, fear the Lord, you saints. Actually means, oh, worship the Lord, you saints. There is no want to those who worship him. The young lion lacks, uh, the young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. So, final point. Who is adoration for? Us. He doesn't need it. 
Remember, he's complete, he's whole, he's one, he's singular. There's nothing else like him. He doesn't need you, you need, you need. Therefore, he says, tell me I'm holy. How does that meet my need? Because it connects what's going on inside of me with the God who can make a difference. It connects and something deeply mystical and spiritual happens in the human soul. It starts coming alive again and it can breathe. It's the game changer. I, I wrote them down for you, but I'll, I'll just read them real quickly and then we'll close with a blessing. Or maybe questions, I don't know. Psalm 68, 4. Sing to God, sing praises to his name. Extol him who rides on the cloud by his name, Yah. So I used to go around on my motorcycle. I'd ride all around the city, and I was singing that song. He rides upon the clouds. You are so good to me. You've become my sweet, sweet song. I would sing it because then, then nobody could criticize me. They couldn't hear me over the roar of those engines. They were making enough music themselves. Harley with no baffles in the pipes. Bwah! You are so good to me. You heal my broken heart. You know, and they're thinking I'm all bad and I'm all good. You just cut me off and I bless you. I don't come back and kick. Well, I did one time. Psalm 72, 17, his name shall endure forever. Changing his name. His name shall continue as long as the sun, and men shall be blessed in him. All nations shall call him blessed. Psalm 96, oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Proclaim the good news of his salvation day to day. That's what this is. Psalm 148, let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His glory is above the earth and the heaven. And then there's a special one from the new, the declaration of the new covenant time. So Jesus arriving in John 1, and this is John when he's old, remembering back. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. When I say, God, you're holy, I'm declaring my birth. Is that not stunning? Why pray? You're making a declaration over who you are. When you say, God, your name is holy, you have just declared yourself as a child of God. You've done what it takes. You're in. <laughs> you're, in you're in. And now it means you can live holy, sane, righteous, pure, exalted, justified, sanctified, Glorified, 
Stand with me. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. I'm a good, good son. It's who I am. And I'm loved of you, yes? Try it tomorrow. Here comes a question. What does prayer mean to you? What is prayer in your life? Do you measure it? How do you measure it? Just ask yourself some questions this week. But of all things, do one really scary thing. Tell him his name is holy. If it doesn't, if you don't feel anything and nothing changed, do it again. You're asking me to repeat prayers. No, prayers are repetition. Stop it. Start thinking sanely. What if you took 20 minutes to declare God's name is holy over your life? What if you took two minutes? Two seconds? Is it really a time thing or is it a moment thing? Can you really go there in the moment and be with God and go, you alone are holy? It doesn't have to be shouted. what he wants wrestle with it this week will you I hope it challenged you I hope it got in there I hope it dug at all the recesses and stirred up all the religious gunk and kicks it out that's the best thing that would ever happen in prayer is if you dump your religion and receive Christ so God I pray right now for our hearts as we navigate the deconstruction and reconstruction of what prayer is and what it for and why you even gave it to us. Help us. We cry that great prayer in Psalm 12. Help, Lord. Help us. Help my, Lord, my brain seems so puny at times and I want to think bigger. Help. Because you're holy. Because it's who you are. It's really who you are. Help us. Help the church of the children find the Father. In Jesus' name. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Lord, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Will you love each other as you go, saints?